This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, May 5th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, Puzzle Wars. A day in the life of a miner with Vinton Cole. Claire Beard shares a new work of note. And a mountain weather forecast. It's May the 4th, and Star Wars is the theme of the first ever Wilkinson Public Library puzzle competition. Without further ado, I think you guys are here to puzzle. Um, does anybody have a guess what the puzzle might be? Star Wars. Yeah, it's, it's May 4th oh, it's today. Oh. May the 4th be with you. Um, and I'm going to be playing Empire Strikes Back in the background. Hopefully that's not too distracting for people. Jill Wilson is the public services manager at the library. All right, you guys ready to puzzle? Yeah. Okay, on your mark, get set. May the 4th be with you. The program room of the library erupts into a flurry of activity. Teams featuring puzzlers 7 to 70 jump into action, flipping over pieces, sorting by color, searching for edges. It's teams of two, 10 teams of two. They all have the exact same puzzle. Um, We tried to pick a puzzle that people could complete within two hours, so I chose 300 pieces because I think that's doable. Um, And the team who finishes the puzzle the quickest, gets a $100 gift card to Kazahana and all the glory. Should we do colors as we go too? Colors? Standing. Like as, as we touch them, so we try to only touch them once and put them here. I've never felt so pressured on doing a puzzle before. Kaylee and Lily Reed, a mother-daughter duo, are working from the outside in. Do you have a strategy going for... Well, we're basically doing the... We're doing the outside force, and then we're going to do the inside. And we're basically doing the side force. Lizzie Edwards and Annie Foxen are leaning into the competition. We're feeling really competitive. Yeah, we are. How do you feel like it's going so far? Um, I feel like we're doing a good job of separating the edge pieces and turning all pieces over simultaneously. That is our strategy at the moment. Um, We're also running buddies, so we practiced being in competitive situations together (laughs) of a different variety, but I think the athletic translates to the intellectual. I think it really is translating quite well right now, actually. So far, so good. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Slowly, and for some not so slowly, a picture emerges. Luke Skywalker stands in the middle of the picture, shooting a blaster, flanked by Han Solo, Princess Leia, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Chewbacca, R2-D2, and C-3PO stand in the corner. Darth Vader menaces in the background with his red lightsaber. As the clock hits 50 minutes, almost exactly to the second. We have a winner! Abby Conroy and Damon Nielsen are the winning team. Honestly, I'm shaking. I'm Damon shaking. is shaking. I'd Damon like honestly did like 90% of the puzzle, not going to lie. <laughs> but I know he had fun, so um, I'm just glad everybody had fun, honestly. The puzzle may be from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But the fun of the puzzle competition is very much here and now. Can't touch this.
can't touch this. It's a mix of national and local sports this week on A Day in the Life of a Minor. Telluride High School's Finton Cole brings the latest on the NHL, NBA, and minors lacrosse. This is Finton Cole on your sports update. The Seattle Kraken pulled off an improbable upset and knocked out the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. They lead 1-0 in the series against the Dallas Stars. The Florida Panthers pulled off an improbable upset and defeated the Boston Bruins and are now facing Toronto in round two, leading the series one to nothing. The Oilers and the Golden Knights are playing each other and the Hurricanes and Devils are playing each other, all in round two. Carolina leads over New Jersey one to nothing. The Nuggets are on the right track as they lead the Phoenix Suns in the series two to nothing. The series is tied one game apiece between the Heat and the Knicks. The Lakers lead the defending NBA champion Warriors 1-0, and Philadelphia leads Boston 1-0. The Telluride varsity lacrosse team is currently ranked second in the 4A Mountain League. They are 9-3 overall going into a home game against Grand Junction. The Telluride junior varsity lacrosse team is 7-1-1, and going into a home game against that team, running for 8-1-1. and That's it for your sports updates for this week. I'm Fintan Cole, reporting live from Telluride High School, and we'll see you next week. Telluride Arts and the Augment Music Project have teamed up to fund area musicians in a whole range of recording and performance projects. KOTO News took the opportunity to speak with a handful of grantees about their plans and hopes. Today, we'll hear from classical flautist and director of Telluride Chamber Music, Claire Beard. I started the flute when I was nine years old, I think, um, maybe eight. Um, and no one really knows why. I was absolutely determined to play the flute, and I just broke my parents down until they'd let me play. <laughs> Hi, I'm Claire Beard. Uh, I'm a classical flute player. I moved here from London in 2016. Um, and a couple of years ago, I took over Telluride Chamber Music. I kind of ran with it, you know, when I, when I started playing. I went to a sort of national-based um, orchestra course thing and just meeting other people that were as into it as I was, this kind of nerdy little kid, um, just opened my eyes and they encouraged me to audition for certain things and find certain teachers and so on. And that actually really put me on the the right trajectory, I would say. It's interesting, classical music is obviously, it's quite a kind of strict practice in some ways. I loved playing in orchestras. I think just that uh, that emotion of the music and being surrounded by so many incredible musicians, it's something really special. Um, and then I also played chamber music and in kind of like West End shows, like Broadway type shows. 
Um, so moving here to Telluride has been a huge change, but it's been a really enlightening one because um, I think it's given me the opportunity to kind of do classical music in my own way. And part of that is the community here, I think, and also um, just the general vibe and being inspired by uh, a lot of the other music that comes through here. to be talking about the grant that I received this year from Augment and Telluride Arts. Um, the money is to go towards buying a microphone and amplifier for outdoor classical performances, um, which I'm really excited about. That will be for me to use personally, but I'm also hoping to use that for the larger community. Playing outdoors is such a big part of the Telluride summer and that wasn't something I'd had in London so much because obviously our weather is just <laughs> not quite as beautiful. So yeah, it, it kind of became this need and when the, the grant came up, I thought I'll give it a go um, and see if we can get some support for this because having yeah high quality equipment, it's a bit of an outlay um, and so getting that um, support from Telluride Arts and Augment is huge. feel like I've kind of found my dream here. Um, I, I always really wanted to be in the mountains and I, I'm a big skier and I, I teach skiing as well, but I never thought I'd find somewhere that had such a rich uh, kind of arts kind of program as well as being in such an incredibly beautiful place. You can follow Claire Beard's work on social media and see what Telluride Chamber Music is up to at telluridechambermusic.org. It's time to break out your hiking boots and walking shoes. Not because the trails in Telluride are beginning to thaw, but because the town is encouraging residents to walk instead of drive downtown over the coming week. The announcement comes as paving in the core of Telluride will limit parking, cause lane closures, and slow traffic between Monday, May 8th and Saturday, May 13th. Work will take place on Colorado and Pacific Avenue between Spruce Street and Townsend. Access to the Telluride Medical Center, the post office, the library, and various residential zones will all be complicated by the paving projects. In addition to walking when possible, Director of Public Works Kyle Beck asks that folks, quote, pay extra attention to construction signs, moving equipment, and all the crews that are hard at work, unquote. Up-to-date information on the project can be found on social media under the handle Town of Telluride. While struggles with mental health are all too common in our corner of the mountains, those mountains can also be our saving grace. That was Johnny Zog's experience when he decided to climb the complete Snaffles skyline to pay homage to the mountains that saved his life from suicide. Zog's experience is the central story of the new film Skyline from local filmmaker Kale von Buskirk. 
In honor of Mental Health Month, Tri-County Health Network will host a screening of Skyline at the Palm Theater. Zog and Van Buskirk will be in attendance for a Q&A following the film. The free Skyline screening will take place on Thursday, May 11th at the Palm Theater. Doors open at 6.30 with the film at 7 p.m. Individuals middle school age and up are encouraged to attend. There will be free pizza and mental health resources available. The Grand Mesa, Uncompagre, and Gunnison National Forests recently received nearly $21 million to help with fuel reduction work. The funding is part of the federal government's wildfire crisis strategy implementation. According to the U.S. Forest Service, the funding will be used to support 47 projects across the GMUG, working to decrease hazardous fuels on over 20,000 acres of land. The money will also go to improving over 200 miles of road. The GMUG was one of four national forests to receive funding. Out-of-staters descended upon Teton County in Wyoming early Monday morning for the opening of Shed Elk Antler Season. It's the last year non-Wyoming residents are allowed to come to the early start date, and many weren't happy about the new law. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KHOL's Hannah Mersbach has more. Hundreds of cars line the road through the National Elk Refuge right outside Jackson, and most plates were from out of state. Hunter Rackham came from across the border in Idaho to find antlers for a collection. Adrenaline's always really high. You never know if you're going to get up there and find anything or if you're going to find the whole lot of it. Rackham's group found about 50 antlers, a good showing, considering come next year, a new Wyoming law will bar non-residents like Rackham from attending the May 1st start date. I think we're all kind of against it. I think it brings the community of um, conservationists together and I just think it's a really cool opportunity to get out here and see what Wyoming's all about. Some locals, however, were supportive of the new law, saying it'll limit competition for the antlers. Shed season in other parts of the state were delayed because of the extreme winter. They'll kick off in two weeks. Hannah Mersbach, KHL News. Right now, high mountain snow is starting to melt. That water is filling streams and reservoirs that are part of the Colorado River system, a lifeline for tens of millions of people in the West. But some of that snow is disappearing before it melts. KUNC's Alex Hager visited a team trying to find out how. If you want to get good measurements of snow, you've got to get a little cold and a little soggy. This team of researchers is doing just that almost 10,000 feet above sea level. The journey through these Colorado mountains feels like a polar expedition. This line of bundled up skiers is breathing heavy and trudging alongside flags that mark the route into the whiteout up ahead. Eli Schwatt from the University of Washington is one of the researchers. And it kind of looks like, uh, what's the snow moon in Star Wars Chapter 5? It looks like Hoth, Yeah, is what I would <laughs> say. It looks like the, the rebel base on Hoth. At this site full of towering scientific measuring devices, we're getting pelted by heavy, wet snow. But that is a necessary sacrifice for this team of snow detectives. Another researcher, Danny Hogan, says they're helping solve a mystery. We're getting an amount of snow in the mountains, and that same amount of water that we would expect isn't necessarily coming down the river, and we're trying to find 
uh, different culprits. Figuring out those culprits has big consequences. The snow that does melt off joins the Colorado River, which supplies people from Wyoming to Mexico. But two-thirds of that water starts as snow in the state of Colorado. That's why this team is studying how it disappears. Essentially, it's a, a loss of water that is, is difficult to measure because you're kind of going from something you see to something you don't see. They're talking about a process called sublimation. That's when solid frozen snow evaporates into the air before it ever has a chance to melt and flow downhill. Jessica Lundquist says it's the same kind of process that makes dry ice give off that spooky fog. The amounts that disappear range in models from 10% to 90% of the snowpack. So the uncertainty is huge. Lundquist is in charge of this research. She's a professor of engineering at the University of Washington. The sublimation study doesn't have solid results yet, but it will contribute to a growing understanding of what happens to snow each spring. That's data that matters, even for people hundreds of miles away. We know the Colorado River is oversubscribed. Every drop of water is wanted by multiple people. And so if you're off by the number of drops of water, you're promising to somebody they're not happy. But Lundquist says evaporating snow isn't the only culprit. Scientists think a lot of the region's snow is getting soaked up by dry soil. The dirt here gets baked by abnormally dry summers, then acts like a sponge once snow melts on top of it. Edie Zagona is a hydrology professor at the University of Colorado. She says that makes it harder to get accurate predictions of how much water will be in the river each year. There are so many variables, and it's so difficult to get them all right. Even with all the uncertainty about where the water is going, Zagona says one thing is constant. Climate change is a major factor in all aspects of the problem with forecasting. And good predictions get more important every year in a growing region with a shrinking water supply. And up in the mountains, data to help inform those predictions comes from underneath our feet. Is it uh, time to get digging? Yeah, it's time to get digging. Hogan and Schwatt are shoveling out a snow pit. Inside, they're using rulers, thermometers, and scales to gather readings. From surface at 152 to 143, fist, new snow. Almost all the tools they're using are on the shelves at your local hardware store. But with the right context, the numbers from this niche study, carried out by two guys with a shovel, can make a big difference in understanding where our water comes from and where it might be going. I'm Alex Hager in Gothic, Colorado. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies and a chance of snow showers tonight with a low around 30 degrees. Saturday calls for mostly sunny skies with a high near 50 and wind gusts reaching 30 miles per hour. Saturday night should be mostly cloudy with a low near freezing. Sunday should bring partly sunny skies with a slight chance of mixed precipitation and a high near 50. Sunday night calls for cloudy skies with a low near 30 degrees. This has been the news for Friday, May 5th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, Call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hi, this is Douglas Dooley. It's Friday, May 5th, 2023. I am an independent, critical of both the Republican and Democratic establishment, running for the Mountain Village Town Council. 
The Mountain Village Town Council is nonpartisan, but I believe the last two mayors, Dan Jansen and Lila Benitez, both reflect these failures. The details of these failings reflect partisan problems at a national level. It's all a punch and duty, divide and conquer puppet show brought to us by the legal industrial failure complex. We have the opportunity to build a constructive response to this problem, but it's going to take moderate, environmentally aware Republicans, small business Democrats, and independents to actualize that. Independents, though canceled, are now the largest political group in the country. According to a March Gallup poll, 49% compared to the two organized parties at 25% each. Even in highly democratic San Miguel County, unaffiliated independents have a slight edge, though both groups round to 42%. The recent congressional campaign of Adam Frisch is a huge light in this current darkness. Frisch, a longtime registered unaffiliated voter without national party support, statistically tied Bobert in a district with a 9% Republican advantage, a district that was also 45% unaffiliated. Curiously, Don Coram, the moderate Republican who challenged Bobert in the primary, beat Bobert in San Miguel County with 70% of the primary vote, his biggest county victory in the congressional district. I believe the roots of our political problems, both locally and nationally, go back to the early 70s when Southern California Republicans held both the White House and the governorship, with the Texan George W. Bush holding down the foreign front through his CIA directorship. The techniques of infiltrating and manipulating the Democratic Party are well illustrated by Seth Rosenfeld's 2012 book Subversives, documenting the actions against Berkeley and Oakland radicals by the FBI. Curiously, both Nancy Pelosi and Art Grub Times were both young Bay Area adults at that time. Here today, I allege the Trump, Boebert, Horning axis continues with local Democrats continuously failing to provide housing while having success ghettoizing both Mountain Village and Telluride deed-restricted housing with big city techniques. Curiously, all with substantial profit to some <coughs> local legal practitioners and, of course, tax and regulatory relief to our biggest commercial real estate holders. Solving these problems will take many. Mountain Village incumbents Peter Dupre and Marty DeBraskis can do this if they choose to run again. Win or lose, I will still be in this good fight. Thank you. Oh, and by the way, check out the USGS River Gauge for the Dolores at Bedrock. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.